Literary Scape presents the historical, inspirational book club podcast, The First of Its Kind. This show is for those who love clean romance adventure stories from the 1800s. This week, Tiff and I had the chance to sit down and talk with award-winning author Julie Lessman, and it is always a treat. You can't walk away without being inspired by her testimony and commitment to serve God. It's the same kind of inspiration you get when you read her books. So let's dive in. So let's start with your leading ladies and what inspiration did you draw on to create such well-developed ladies that your readers can relate to? Well, the first one, of course, is the heroine uh, in Passion Most Pure, the first book, um, and that that is faith. Um, and the reason that I could draw from that, because faith is my spiritual self. I mean, everything she does in the book is exactly what I do. Um, it, in a sense, it was my love letter to God. It was my first book, and I wanted to just infuse my spirituality into that book, which is what I do. In other words, I pray about absolutely everything. I talk to God. I get mad at him, you know. Um, <laughs> even the scene in the there's a scene in the middle of the book where she literally turns her back on God. She's on the ship. Um, that actually happened to me. Um, I was I was so angry at him that I just I, in my mind I just turned around to walk away. And I felt like I walked into a three walls. It was like I was cornered. And I remember getting so mad saying, free will. Oh my gosh, I can never go back. I mean, I can never go back to my other life. I can't turn my back on you because I'll be miserable. I'll be ruined. You've ruined me for the world. It's, it's, I mean, I remember that so clearly. I'm, I call myself a CDQ, which is a caffeinated drama queen. Um, and I, I am. And that's what I did. So faith is me. Uh, I've got a temper just like her. I'm definitely not as pretty as she is. <laughs> or young as she is. But um, in, in every way that you see faith, that's, that's me. That's my spiritual self. Okay. Charity okay. <laughs> is my carnal self. She is who I was before I became a Christian. Oh, I was wow. selfish. I was promiscuous. I was, um, uh, you know, I, I sibling rivalry. I, you know, I was so jealous of my sisters. I, I have nine sisters and three brothers, you know, or I did. Many of them are passed on now because wow. I'm number 12 out of 13. Wow. Um, but I, I was just like charity and I was like a little vamp. <laughs> Not that, I mean, I wasn't good looking or anything, but I, I, I tried, you know, <laughs> Oh, um, you're very pretty, Julie. <laughs> no, I never believed that. But I was a wild child of, of the you know 70s and 60s and 70s. So charity is me. So yes, those two characters in particular are drawn from my alter ego, as you might say, I guess. <laughs> Lizzie is my dreamer self. Um, Lizzie is my love for romance. Um, I literally did not write my first book um, until I was in my... Um, uh, mid to late forties. Uh, it might've been fifties even. Yeah, it was fifties. I'm sorry. Oh. And, um, I wouldn't do it because I would not allow myself to read romance or write romance. Cause like the world, a lot of the world looks down on romance, like, Oh, 
if you read romance, you're, you're not a businesswoman. You're not this, you're not that, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so I was kind of a little bit of a snob that way too. And one day I'm sitting in um, a beauty salon and I'm sure I've told you this story in the past where I was reading a Newsweek cover article that um, it it had a a Christian rock concert on the front. It was in 2001, right about the time the Passion of the Christ came up. And remember Hollywood, Mel Gibson threw Hollywood back on its heels because they went, oh my gosh, there's a Christian market. (laughs) And um, so I was reading this Newsweek article and what it was saying on the inside, it was that Christian music, Christian books and Christian movies was, it was a, a, a multi-billion dollar industry that was not being realized. It was there and nobody was looking at it. And so I went, I'm sitting there reading and I felt like in my spirit, now's the time to finish your book. And the book, you know, I get that it was talking about, (laughs) I guess it was God, Holy Spirit. I I like to think it was the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Um, It was a book that I started when I was age 12 after I read Gone with the Wind. I was so enamored of that book that um, I immediately sat down like a million other you know, American girls, I'm sure, and started writing my, the great American novel, you know, um, and I, I didn't have the audacity to think that I could do Civil War like Margaret. <laughs> um, oh, but, yeah. So I did World War One with an Irish Catholic family. And that's that's kind of um, I wrote 300 pages when I was 12. And, um, you know, that's that book is what was my debut novel some 40 years later. Yeah. So that's the story on that. Um, so Lizzie's gonna, it, 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 to continue with Lizzie, she's a dreamer. She has her uh, mm-hmm. nose in a book, romance all the time. And um, I finally, when I was sitting there in that, th- I, I thought, no, I can't write a romance. And it's like God set me free. Like yeah. it's like he said, I... I created you for this. I know it's a side hope, but it was such it was such a deep desire of mine to write Rome. Mm-hmm. I mean, because I never had love when growing up. Yeah. So I yeah. wanted that. I wanted to show what kind of love and marriage that God could give you if you let right. him. You know? And yeah. so it was like he he literally took the shackles off, and I could have cared less what anybody thought of me writing romance. And so I did. So Lizzie's my dream herself. So those threes components are all me. Um, Marcy. <laughs> cool. Hey, I'm going to pause you for just a second. I'm going to have Tiff scoot in here with us, if that's all right. I was, you know, my mom died when I was 16. Um, she, she did not like me. <laughs> um, I, when I wrote this, this book, my first book at age 12, uh, my little sister used to beg me to read it to her and I would read it. And my little sister was my mom's favorite. And, and so she said, Julie, she says, let mama read it. And I, so I gave it to mama to read and I, I was so excited. I waited a couple of days and um, I finally had, didn't hear anything from mama. I mean, she didn't say anything. So I said, well, mama, I said, you know, what do you think of it so far? And she said, um, I'm sorry, Julie, but it was so dry. I couldn't get past the first page. That was what my mother said to me. That's the kind of relationship I had. She, when my younger sister, Katie, who I loved with a passion, um, when she, she was a baby and mama really loved her. And so if she did something wrong, mama blamed me because she thought I was a bad influence. So my mother and I had uh, just no relationship at all. 
I didn't, I didn't like her. She didn't like me. When she died when I was 16, I remember thinking to myself, oh, well, I guess I can get some mileage out of this at school because people feel sorry for me. I mean, that's how cold I was. That's how removed I was from that woman. Okay. So um, when I became a Christian at, you know, age 23, uh, it's like God changed everything for me. He healed my heart. And um, so I, you know, I didn't, I mean, it, Marcy was in the original book when I was 12, but of course, when I was in my fifties, I fleshed her up because I had already been a mother and um, I knew what, what, what type of mother God wanted, you know, what he wanted mothers to be like, you know, a stabilizer, um, loving, uh, you know, who dealt with her own sins, you know, which if you, I, you guys, have you read all three books? Uh, all three we books. read uh, all four. We did the lighting yeah, the window yeah. all the way through. Oh, okay. To, all right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know about Marcy's struggle in book three, you know, with Patrick, you know, um, that's, it, she deals with her issue. You know, she deals with them the way God wants us to deal with them. So um, Marcy was my hero, heroine. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I admired her a lot. And that's the kind of mother I wanted to be. And that's the kind of mother I wished I had. Can you? Are you ready for the next question? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. One earbud works really well, and the other one is super quiet. So I'm trying to listen in on the quiet one. All right. All right. So I we love your leading ladies, but then we I I don't know about you, Tiff, but I fell in love with all of your heroes. And Patrick, I just have to say, I absolutely love because he's such a a father figure. Like, thankfully, I had an absolutely wonderful father growing up. And so he really um, reminds me of my own dad. And so I just love reading about his interactions with the kids. So can you just tell us a little bit about your inspiration behind each of these heroes? Okay, well, uh, I'm going to get a grab a Kleenex here real quick because I tend to be weepy. I call myself, like I said, a, a weepy caffeinated drama queen. Uh, here. Okay, um, well, Patrick is actually based on my husband. Okay, uh, Marcy and Pat- Patrick's marriage is based on my husband's and mine. So everything uh-huh. you see in that marriage, except me as pretty as Marcy, <laughs> my husband's definitely is, is good, you know, is as good looking and really was when we first married <laughs> as Patrick. He, <laughs> in fact, I felt like Fanny Bryce when he married me, you know, the, the groom was prettier than the bride. That's the God's truth. When he, when he came to work where I worked, um, all the girls were just going, oh my gosh, did you see the new artist? And anyway, I, I, how he ever picked me, I don't know. <laughs> It's it's the hand of God, you know. Um, but anyway, so he our marriage is Marcy and Patrick's. In other words, there's there's the there's the arguments, there's the fighting, but there's the cohesiveness of having God in the middle of our relationship, and um, that's so he's he's like Patrick. I mean, and and you know, he, in fact, I, anyways, my heroes are. They're, they're my, from my head of what I love in a man. You know, what's really sad today is this whole woke thing going on where uh, you can't be masculine. You know, I remember in one of my first books that I wrote, um, I think it was uh, a scene in uh, my The Heart of San Francisco series where the hero, uh, when he first really encounters the, you know, the, the heroine, he 
you know, she's just taking them. She's hitting them left and right. Not hitting them, but she with insults and stuff. And he just grabs her and kisses her. Okay. Um, I'm from the generation, I'm 72, so I'm from the generation of John Wayne where he just grabs Maureen O'Hara and he just lays one on her, or he just picks her up and carries her through town. That's my generation, okay? Yeah. And, and I I mean, but today with all the, what was going on with date rape and all this kind of stuff and Me Too and all that, you know, stuff, um, I, uh, I guess a lot of people got mad at me for that. I had one girl who loved my books, but she read that book and gave me a one star and just said, it just outrageous how he grabbed her. And, you know, she didn't, you know, and, and I, I thought, well, I, I guess that could be considered that way, but it wasn't in my heart. It wasn't that intent. And he, and God always redeems him in the end, you know? So, um, I, uh, I like, I'm sorry. I want a man to be a man. I believe God made uh, men to be respected and women to be cherished. I mean, it's the old, mm-hmm. the whole Garden of Eden thing. I mean, what women want more than anything is to be cherished and loved. I mean, they can say they want respect and respect is good. But deep down in our hearts, I believe they want to be cherished and loved. I believe that's priority number one. And for men, that's not priority number one. For men, it's it's respect. They want to be respected by the woman they love, okay? Yeah. And if the woman rides roughshod on them, you know, their respect plummets, you know? And I really mm-hmm. think it's a product of the Garden of Eden, you know, because Eve took away, I mean, Adam abdicated his responsibility. He was right next to her when they were tempted. It was his responsibility as her headship to step in and say, no, you're not doing this. And he abdicated it to her and followed her lead. And since that day, women have been trying to lead men in marriages, in relationships, and be the head. And that's not the way it was meant to be. So in my opinion, love and respect is, it's, it's, uh, it's in the Bible, it says uh, women um, respect your husbands and husbands cherish your wives. I mean, he lays it out pretty clearly. And I believe mm-hmm. it's cause and effect. I believe, and I, I proved it in my marriage. I proved by, I'm a real strong-willed person. My husband's a real laid back, easy guy. I could have led him around by the nose. Well, probably not. <laughs> that's why I love him because he, he wouldn't. Yeah, several scenes in my books are related. I don't know if you got to that. You didn't read Katie's story yet, did you? There's a I scene. have. Okay, I there's haven't. a scene with the chicken and shaving cream that actually happened with me and my husband. You know, where he... <laughs> I'm going to put a frozen chicken in the freezer and he goes like this and twists my arm around and says, pick it up. Because it, I put the, his, I was toying with him after we had an argument. I put a shaving cream in the middle of the hallway thinking, oh, he'll think that's funny. And he did not think that was funny at all. And he, he begged me. He wasn't mean. He just said, Julie, please, I'm begging you, pick it up. But he's holding my wrist the whole time. So that was that that shows you what he's like. He's a gentleman who is asking me, begging me to do the right thing. But he's holding the clamp, too. Um, Mm -hmm. Let me tell you something. His my respect level for him went right through the roof, you know, and Mm -hmm. I wasn't about to try that again. (laughs) Anyway, that's that's what I mean, cause and effect. And he will tell you this to this day. If he walked in here, it would say my wife taught me what a marriage is. My wife taught me how to love because, and not because I'm good. Oh Lord, no. (laughs) All Mm -hmm. I did was apply biblical 
precepts to my marriage. Um, it, you know, if he did something to make me mad, instead of screaming back and yelling at him, trying to get back at him, I just, I just started praying for him. God bless him. God, you know, you know, open his eyes to you um, mm-hmm. and help me to be the wife he needs me to be. And then I would serve him. And by serve him, I mean I wouldn't, I wouldn't retaliate in any way. I'd just go on and still do what I would do: fix him dinner and give him a note, a sweet, you know, romance note, no matter what he did. That mm-hmm. was the blueprint for our marriage. And to this day, we have a marriage exactly like Marcy and Patrick's. It's, yeah. it's not perfect, mm-hmm. but it's absolutely as perfect as you can get on this planet is what I think. Yeah. And, okay, so that, that's Patrick. Uh, Colin, oh my gosh, Colin is the ultimate bad boy. I am an author who loves bad boys. <laughs> I, I, think, I think I do because it's part of that aspect of... Um, of uh, I want a man who's strong enough to stand up to me, who is not going to let me lead him around by the nose, and a man who who's um, I guess almost kind of worldly. That's a little bit of my carnal self, I guess. You know, I, I I like for instance, I don't know if you guys know about Outlander. Have you ever seen any? Of the, okay, no. it's I, don't watch don't watch the stars version because whoa. Oh my gosh. I wa- we watched one episode because I read the book. I was in a Christian book, uh, not Christian bookstore, a Christian aisle of borders one time mm-hmm. looking for Christian books. And I want romance and, you know, none of them. I'm looking, I'm going, there ain't many here. I've already read Redeeming Love. Hello. You know, so um, I, uh, this gal standing there, she says, what are you looking for? And I, I mean, she was a customer like me and I started talking and she's, oh, I've got the book for you. So she takes me over to the secular romance and it's uh, Diana Galbadon Outlander. Now, let me just say right off the bat, I am not endorsing this book because it's not, it doesn't have the Christian values that we're, we need. Okay. But what it did have, what it did show me, the first book was so much, he is probably the greatest hero I've ever seen, except he doesn't have Christ. But he's the greatest hero. If I could model a hero, it would be him. He he was just awesome. But anyway, um, what I liked about it was... um, if you told me he has red hair, he's younger than her, and he's a virgin. She's, she's been married before, I mean, in another life because it's, it's time travel, okay? And um, if you told me that I was going to like a hero who was younger, had red hair, and was a virgin, I would have said, no, I'm sorry. Because, see, I like him experienced. <laughs> I like him, you know, anyway, that's, that's, <laughs> that's my carnal mindset, Okay. But fortunately for me, the Christian component kicks in and I always redeem them by the end. And then they're so much better, you know, <laughs> but yeah. I, I don't know why I went into all that, but that kind of explains where I'm coming from on heroes. So every one of my heroes has a strength, whether he's a bad boy, whether he's used to be a bad boy and now he's serving God. There's, there's, there's a, there's a real, um, self, not self-respect, but they, they're not going to let people push him around. So. That's why my heroes have that component. I think that's why you're attracted to them. Uh, And I think that's why, you know, romance exists. It's not a more one genre in the world. Hello. And yet, you know, this the woke ideology says that um, you've got to be just a sweet kind of, you know, namby pammy type man who helps out and lets the woman be the. No. No, yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's really not what women really want. No, My husband and I have those conversations all the time. And I think it's just because I'm in the school and I'm like, you see the bo- the young boys kind of taking on that 
And I'm like, no, no, be a boy. (laughs) It's okay. Be a boy boy and, and Mm -hmm. be rough. But, um, but what you were saying earlier too, about, you know, Patrick and Marcy's marriage and then your marriage, I could not agree more because, um, I mean, actually I think my, my husband's the one that kept me on the right path. (laughs) He's four (laughs) years older than me. And, uh, we met when I was, 13 and he was 17 and we he wrote letters to me you know like we were friends for a year and then we started dating the following year um but like he was pretty set in his faith whereas i was still growing up (laughs) and so yeah there's just but i have to tell you the attraction piece is the fact that he was a man of god and he was firm right he was loving but he was firm like no we don't we don't do that because that's that is not living according to god's word wow that's awesome you um, did good (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I always think she like, did. like God really looked out for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And at first I was like, mm, I don't know about I know him. people didn't like that age. He difference. was older than her. And I was like, mm, but he was, he was really good. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah, we're still together. Yeah. So. Oh, wow. You stayed away from those bad boys. But I do like the bad boy. <laughs> I did like the bad boy complex in your heroes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, I, it, I don't know why, but it, it, it puts a foundation of humanity in there. And it, it gives you an opportunity to explore who they are, where they came from, why they're that way. Uh, did they not, did their mother, you know, uh, control the father and so they're retaliating because the natural bent of a man that God put in a man is to be the head of the family and I'm mm-hmm. sure I would get you know lots of arrows on that one from the woke community but um, you know it is what it is it's what the Bible says yeah and so um, that's I always tell not- my husband to go ahead and be the head because um, when you do something wrong you get the hit from God not me <laughs> When you lead us wrong, it's he's like, oh, gee, thanks. I'm like, but I always pray, too. Like you said, like when we get in those little tiffs, because we don't really have big fights, but um, I'm like you. But I normally my prayers are probably a little more selfish where I'm like, God, can you just smack him upside the head and show him what what really needs to happen here? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. That's funny. Yeah. You know, that's that's one of my biggest key points in all my books is is when you when you. And I don't like it because I want to pray like, okay, God, get him, get him, <laughs> you know, but you, you know, I don't because I pray, Lord, bless him, Lord, you know, even, you know, my enemies. I think that's a key component in forgiveness and letting go is when you pray for God to bless them, you know, I, and I like it. It's like heaping, when in one of my books, I put, it's like heaping coals on your head. And mm-hmm. that was actually, as you, you probably know, back in the olden days, coals, you know, hot coals were that was like money, you know, and when we would carry, you know, them in, in pots or whatever on their head, um, because that, um, that was just like gold, you know? And so when you're heaping hot coals in someone's head, you're blessing them. So I always thought that was a pretty good analogy because you want to, you want to heap hot coals on their head. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. You want to burn them, you know, but you need to bless them, you know? So anyway, that's, uh, I don't know why I went into that, I guess, because of what you said, because we do have a tendency to want to really, you know, we will pray about it, but Lord, get them my way, you know, yeah. I mean, <laughs> that yeah. doesn't work, you know, um, let's see, Colin, I told you, he, I, what I liked about him, he was emotional enough to relate to women. That's why they liked him. That's why he mm-hmm. was a, uh, a bad boy. He had a sensitivity about him, but um, his, the baggage he carried from his past hampered it. 
And so it was really fascinating for me to take that component and bring him along and see what it took to bring him to Christ, you know. Um, so I, I like that. I normally don't like real, I mean, emotional men. It sounds weak to some people. My husband's very emotional. He was the one always wanted to hold my hand in the car, and I'm like, really? <laughs> yeah, he taught me, you know, and so that that almost seems in a little bit effeminate in the sense that he was more the emotional, you know, um, but in, but it wasn't, it, it really kind of was like an extension of God's love. And, and honestly, with my marriage today, I truly always have, and I always will believe that my husband is an extension of God's love to me because I was not loved growing up. And I think he knew I needed a man that was going to be patient and kind and absolutely not adore, but he just thinks I'm living in. And I sit there and I scratch my head. And I go, well, I pulled the wool over his eyes. Didn't I? You know, um, but mm-hmm. he, knowing how much he loves me is like how I feel God loves me. No matter what I do, when I lose my temper and I've, I've done some pretty you know awful things in our marriage when I, I mean, not murder or anything like that, <laughs> but, you know, telling him I hate him and, and just, you know, throwing stuff and, um, Anyway, so I I really liked uh, I like that in a man. Mitch, oh gosh, Mitch is one of my favorite. I'd have to say mm-hmm. Mitch and Luke are my two favorite heroes. Mm-hmm. I just I just love them. I, I I can't fully tell you why. Mitch, I can. I like the totally masculine, gruff type, no nonsense. He's not going to take any garbage. And actually, I had a dad like that. He, if you tried to give him an excuse, you know, he he go cut the excuses, and so you were down to bare bones, and you had to be honest. You know, I that's a, that was a little too gruff for me. But 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 Mitch is you know he just doesn't pull any punches. He doesn't talk. Not a lot of words. You know, there it's more sparse. Um, I like that. I like that a lot in a man. Um, it, you know, it, he's a no who's who's he's a no nonsense man whose desire for the woman he loves is knows no bounds. That's why Mitch is always the one that I have. Mitch and Charity is the sexiest couple. I mean, he's just <laughs> can't get enough of her. She can't get enough of him. And that component is something that um, I really think we need more in marriages. Um, I actually had an editor from another house contact me after reading my books. And she said, Julie, I want you to know that your books have helped my marriage. And I said, what? I'm going, what? Mm-hmm. She said, you taught me that it's okay, that we have that romance in the beginning when it starts. He says, but then the honeymoon's over and it's just, it's just plodding through a marriage. She says, you showed me that I had to treat him the same way as I did. And, and I've actually done this in my own marriage. Uh, there's been a couple of times when we've gone out, my husband and I, we were married many years at the time. And I said, let's pretend this is our first date. And I'll just <laughs> fawn over you and you fawn over me. And so it, I can't, I guess I'm a little bit of an actress, you know, cause I'm a drama queen. <laughs> totally got into the role. And I'm just like, you know, you know, flirting and asking him this and that, you know, at the table. And it was one of the best dates we ever had. In the snack dab in the middle of our marriage. So um, anyway, that was pretty that was pretty affirming to me when that editor told me that, because that tells me that, you know, I'm letting women know, yes, my books are sexy. Yes, I get a lot of one star reviews because of that. They think that I that I should close the bedroom door. And I do. I mean, the bedroom door is open in my books, but it's always fade to black. It's the kisses only, you know, kisses mm-hmm. only. Hello. <laughs> you know, you know, 
Um, anyway, so that's that's why um, I don't know why I went into that, but uh, Brady. Okay, Brady is a man who loves God more than anything else. But since no one is perfect, he had to have a dark past that haunts him with guilt. So again, um, you've got a strong man of God, but we we all have clay feet. You know, we I in one of my books I say we we are uh, we are strong uh, you know Christians with clay feet. You know, and that's that's what we are. You know, we're going to stumble, we're going to fall, and that's the beauty of Christ in our lives. Because to see a life transformed, I think that's one of the most one of the richest lessons you can learn and read in a book. You know, mm-hmm. and so um, that's why I like to start with bad boys, <laughs> and and you know, lumps of clay, and just mold them into what really God intended mm-hmm. them. You know, which I so love that character good. change. In each you of your are? books. I love that character change in yeah, each of I your books. Too. So, um, yeah, we went through all the heroes, didn't we? All right. So uh, something I know I think you're excited to talk about this a little bit, too, is that relationship between faith and charity and how they trade fiancés and how you came up with all that because it was unexpected. <laughs> yeah. I was it, like, was it? <laughs> See, I think my I think my readers always expect what's coming. I don't know why I do, and and mm. yet they write me and say you blew me away, and I'm going. I just thought they would catch on, you know, <laughs> because I guess because <laughs> I already know it, so I'm thinking yeah. they must know it, but you didn't know it, huh? Mm. Um, mm. Well, um, first of all. The sibling rivalry is very real. It's based on uh, my sibling rivalry between I'm number 12 uh, and my sister before me, who's two years older, is uh, number 11. And Mm -hmm. our sibling rivalry, I mean, that fight scene in the beginning where they're pulling each other hair. Oh, my gosh. That's exactly what it was like between my (laughs) sister and I. And she would be she was older, so she would really have have the advantage. But the minute she pulled (laughs) hair, like she took the pin out of a grenade, I would turn into the Hulk and beat the garbage out of her. <laughs> you, know, yeah. you didn't mess with somebody like me. You know, I was. That I was, is so funny because I am number four out of six girls. And oh, wow. my oldest sister and I used to do the same thing. Like mm-hmm. I can remember. I mean, oh, so many fist fights. And I can remember one time she knocked me down to the ground and then she, and she had me pinned down. And then she stood up and said, and you should just stay down there. And I was like, oh, <laughs> no, <laughs> get up and go for another round. But So I get where you're coming from there. Yeah. <laughs> I actually I had, had two little ones. <laughs> they ganged up on me, the twins. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I actually had a, another uh, an agent tell me like a male agent who rejected me read rejected my book Mm -hmm. he said i'm sorry the vitriol between those sisters just didn't seem real and i'm like honey you should have been in my family you know (laughs) right it was more than they seemed real (laughs) (laughs) see yeah that's a man talking yeah they don't do that stuff i guess Um, they don't yeah women fight so different than men they do and women are you know they're mama bears you know they're they're going to, they're going to rise up like grizzlies, you know? And <laughs> anyway, um, so that was real. Um, and, and my sister Ellie was, she was a lot like charity too. Oh my gosh. Anyway, um, as far as the trading fiancés, I never had that in my mind at all. I am a, <laughs> I am a, a seat of the pants writer. I am not a plotter. I have learned to become a plotter because you cannot write this many books and not think ahead and plot, mm-hmm. you know. 
I, I learned after the first book and the second book that I had to have a whole chart on anniversaries and birthdays. And, you know, I really had to get into into the game, you know, but 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 the first book, oh, my gosh, no. All I did was sit down and write a first line. And that's, it went from there. Of course, I had gone with the wind in my mind. You have to remember that, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So anyway, that, um, that just kind of evolved naturally. Uh, Now, I had to get Colin together with faith. I had to establish that. So that one was, was pretty given. I, I think, you know, I never in my head ever had the idea that it would be reversed later on and that they would eventually, but it just worked out beautifully. Not only did did it work out beautifully, but it set me up for the second book so easily. I never intended to write a second book. I mean, I, I, I wasn't thinking that far ahead. I was seat of the pants. Um, and when I was done with that and, and I had it out there with all the, uh, you know, it took like three years, um, to get, you know, anybody look at, I had 46 rejections, you know, and, um, what, what happened was, um, I, so I, I, I had to write, I had to write. So I just I sat down and thought, I'm going to write charity story. And, um, it was already laid out for me in my head. It was just uh, amazing to me. In fact, I had a, one of my friends read it and she says, Julie, she says, this book, you've hit your stride. She says, it is so you, she says, you always would tell me, go read my books. was like going to lunch with me because it, <laughs> it, it, it's just so me, you know? And, um, anyway, she, um, so that's, that's how that came to pass. And, in charity, I knew I had to redeem her. And it's funny, my editor, my agent, after I did sell and, um, they, they gave me a three book deal, which was like, whoa, I was, I found out when I was with my prayer partners praying and I'm, they're all, I'm, I'm sitting there listening and I'm repeating and they're screaming and jumping in the background. It was so cute. <laughs> um, but, um, Anyway, that, uh, I forgot my train of thought there. <laughs> uh, shouldn't have gone off on that segue. But anyway, that's that's what um, I wanted. Uh, the second book was easy because, yeah. like I said, it setting that pace, it just, it just mapped out the rest of the books in my head, you know, because I got to know the characters. When you get to know the characters in one book, you you get to see their stories. You get to see what they would do, how they would react. And that's, that's kind of how that happened. Mm -hmm. Oh, neat. I do want to dive into Patrick and Marcy's uh, relationship just a little bit, because they're really the anchor for the O'Connor family. And they go through throughout the series. And if you've read the whole series, which I know you haven't yet, but I've been through it all so far, they go through a lot of mountaintop experiences and a lot of valleys. So I have to ask, did you cry when you wrote some of the scenes and one of them, you know, in particular that I'm thinking about is um, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't read it. When Marcy gets the news that Patrick passed away. Oh yeah. 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 Um, Did I cry at that? Let me think about that. Well, let me just say right off the bat that um, I, when I edit my, I, I do cry when I write them, but when I edit or proof it is when the tears just stream. Okay. Uh, I actually judge my books by how many clinics I go through. <laughs> um, my, my top record is like 32 with a heart reveal. I just mm-hmm. tore me up. And the reason I cry is because, you know, 
every spiritual lesson in these books is something I've gone through. And so they're very personal to me. Mm-hmm. Um, like the scene between Marcy and Patrick, that whole uh, in book three, where uh, he sleeps at the Herald for five weeks, you know, and, and I, and I always go to my husband and say, okay, this happened. Would, is this believable that you would do this? Would you do this? And he goes, Oh yeah, I would do that. You know, so mm-hmm. I would validate the hero's actions and reactions um, with my husband. Um, but it, it, it is, it's, they're all things that I, yeah. And I cried that scene where Marcy uh, is with Mrs. Gerson and it's, it's her, she's crying and it's reflecting the weather outside where the rivulets of rain are mm-hmm. going down the window pane. Um, that, I went through that. I, we, my husband and I had a humongous fight, like in the middle of our marriage. And um, I wounded him deeply, deeply. I, I mean, all I did was tell him my opinion on something, but I shouldn't have. And it wounded him. And literally, it's like a glass wall went in between us. And um, as I told you earlier, my husband is God's validation of love for me. So I feel that love. It surrounds me every day of my life, no matter what. But when that was taken away, that's that's what made me realize the love I had through my husband. Because when it was taken away, I was in hell. It was like mm-hmm. this coldness, this rejection. And it was like, no. <laughs> so we all weekend, we went to a wedding. He didn't talk to me. He wouldn't talk to me all weekend. Wouldn't say a word. He just, he just, he just was going through the motions, but not a word. And finally, at the end of the weekend, I just packed my bags. I started packing and I was getting ready. He goes, what are you doing? And I said, I'm, I'm going to my sister's. I said, I refuse to stay in a house where someone will not talk to me. So I'm gone. And he takes the suitcase and he throws it, you know, and he says, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> and we hashed it out. Now, that was only a weekend. But he did tell me, he said, Julie, he says, you're this type of person that you can blow up. You can say the meanest thing. And then, you know, a few minutes later, you're fine. He goes, all's forgiven. He goes, I'm not like that. He goes, you take a knife, you wound me. The wound is there. It's gaping for weeks, months, whatever. And if he wasn't a Christian, it would be forever. Okay. But he deals with his issues like I deal with mine. And um, anyway, so that it was only a weekend for Keith. I mean, for Keith and I, you know, um, I mean, it was longer for him. It was only a weekend for me. <laughs> and um, but but for Marcy and Patrick, I, I just dragged it out. But I took the emotions that she felt straight out of me, you know? So yes, yes, I did cry. And I do cry every single book I cry, but ironically, it's only the spiritual parts that I cry over. I don't cry. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess that's the only reason to cry, you know, is, is because God touches your heart that something's deeply wrong and we have to deal with it his way, you know? Yeah. So I do have to ask, oh, I do have to tell you when I read it the first time around, the first time when around? I, yeah, the first time around. Well, the second time I didn't cry as much because I, I knew you how know, it was going to work out. <laughs> but yeah. the first time around when I read the scene where Marcy got the news that Patrick had died, yeah, I literally, like, I was laying in bed reading. My husband was watching TV, and I had to grab Kleenex. And he goes, why are you crying? <laughs> she killed Patrick. I was so distraught. I had to stop for a little bit because I'm like, why did she do that? Why Why, why is he gone? That's, I don't understand. Of course, my husband, he's like, uh, it's oh a book. It's not real. I'm like, but it's real to me right now. <laughs> when you get sucked in like that. 
You, you My family knows to leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> you want to hear a funny, funny add on to that story. My husband, um, up until like maybe more recently, he would read every one of my books. He stopped reading them because uh, there were points where he felt I, I was getting too sexy. He says, Julie, <laughs> why are you doing this? Because see, and the reason he said that was because he, he saw how one star reviews tore me up. He goes, you're just asking for trouble. Why are you doing that? And um, <laughs> and uh, the reason, just for anybody out there that doesn't know why I do that, let me explain real quickly. I do that because um, I used to read nothing but Nora Roberts, you know, uh, like in my 50s. I finally got back into romance. I started reading them. And um, I wanted to write Christian Owens, but I, I didn't read it until I finally, after a couple of Laura Roberts, I thought... God probably doesn't want me to do this. Now, this is not, I'm not saying that to anybody else. You have to do what God tells you to do. But I felt like it didn't have God in the middle and I needed that. So that's when I went into the Christian market. And, and Melissa knows this about me. The first book I read was um, he kissed her on the last page in front of seven people asked, after he asked her to marry him. And I went, women are not going to relate to that today. Maybe the Amish ones are, but, but not me, you know? Mm. And, um, so I needed, there had to be more passion. I, you, you, you read song of Solomon and hello, God is a God of passion. Okay. He created it. The problem is that the world has taken it and distorted it according to their amorality. Mm -hmm. And my goal is to show it in the way it was meant to be. And, and, and it's because it's beautiful and it's wonderful. You see that in Marcy and Patrick's marriage. You see that's why the editor has called me and said, oh my gosh, yeah, because that's how God made it. But the world has distorted it. Okay. So, um, yeah. Uh, let's see. Where are we? I do, I do love that you, um, put that in there because if you, my sister does not, cannot handle all the, the high romance high part. Romance she part, she yeah. cracks me up. In one, no, 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 this, no, no. I have another's. I have okay. a sister that's part of it, but she, um, <laughs> she doesn't this like all funny. that stuff. She yeah. cracks me up. But she, one day she asked, she goes, "Why is it that you like books like that?" And I said, "Because." It's real. It's it's what's in my life. So it feels real to me. The, yeah. the stuff where you're not really, you're just like, oh, I'll hold your hand here or I might give you a kiss here. And it's really just blah. I said, that's not life. <laughs> At least for me, that's not life. Yeah. But uh, I do love the Song of Solomon. Uh, it really is. That's how it's supposed to be. I can mm -hmm. remember our pastor one time <clears throat> was preaching on that marriages and things. And he read a section of it. And he said, I guarantee you guys that are married, if you would have read that this morning, you wouldn't be sitting in church right now. <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean, God's got a passion. Hello. Yeah. And you know what? When, when you hear someone say that I have a lot of women that, you know, that they wrote, you know, bad reviews based on that. She has so much. And take a look around at the world. What what runs the world? Mm -hmm. It's passion. It's illicit yeah. passion, but it runs the world. I mean, it's change. It's what everybody's focus is, even the sex trafficking that's going on. It's all about the sexual nature of man. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to ignore that in a book, you're going to ignore it one of the biggest facets of reality. And um, I think that's a mistake that the Christian market made for too many years. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, do. I mean, that I, I, Melissa knows this as well. Um, the number one book 
of the last decade, the number, the top selling book of all time of the last decade is Fifty Shades of Grey. And the number two and three books are the sequels. Give me a break. Yeah. What does that tell you? Okay, so you're not going to put it in there. You're going to ignore it while the rest of the world is is gorging on the world's amorality of what section? Mm -hmm. No, somebody needs to stand up and Mm -hmm. fight back. And that's what I do. Okay, a lot of people don't think I do. They think I'm I I had one review that said, you know, you can slap God's name on it. You can have him go to church. You can even have prayers in it. But the bottom line is smut is still smut. And we're talking kisses, people. We're talking. I know. Kisses. <laughs> and see, yeah, granted, I mean, I write a pretty I've read too. Nora Roberts. I've yeah. read yeah. that. And those are books that I had to skip over. I didn't like some of the parts. I'm like, yeah. Said so that your books are refreshing to me that they're not <laughs> smut. <laughs> but they have, yeah. but they have passion and real life in them. And that's why Lots I enjoy them. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, my tagline is passion with a purpose and, and yes. to, to, to bring that into the world to counter what the, what the, the world's doing. And they stole it. Mm-hmm. They stole God's idea. They're, you know, that's what Satan's like. He's nothing but a copycat. Mm-hmm. And then oh, he yeah. distorts it and he turns it into something ugly. And I think Christians need to stand up. And, uh, you know, not all of them, of course. We need an Amish side of things and we need, you know, more realistic, you know. So anyway. Hope I answered your question there. You did. You did. Actually, some of these I think you probably already hit, but I was just talking about because we kind of hit on you always have this God transformation in your stories. Yeah. Uh, which I absolutely love. And and the transformation and the struggle that they have to go through to get there. It causes a lot of tension throughout the story. So where do you come up with the inspiration for each of these transformations? Um, well, Mostly, again, from my own life. Um, yeah, I uh, there. I mean, go ahead, name a scene. <laughs> uh, there was this one. I had a friend over um, for dinner one time, and she did read And the scene in the middle of that book where uh, Marcy's playing possum in the bed. Sam, uh, it's not Sam. Uh, Patrick goes to the bar first time in 21 years and comes home with, you know, alcohol on his breath and he danced with a woman and she tried to kiss him, you know, and, uh, there's a lot of shame in when he comes home. And so he, he tries to sneak into the bed and just ready to go to sleep. And she turns on him and attacks him, which, okay. My friend, she's, she's talking to my husband. I can see the picture in our kitchen. She's talking to him. She goes, I really like the book. And she says, I love Marcy. She says, but one thing that didn't seem believable, she says, you know, Marcy, you know, she turned on him, you know, she just like a, like a, a cougar or whatever. She just attacked him. She goes, it just didn't seem very believable. My husband's sitting there drinking a Coca-Cola and he's drinking it. And I can still see him. And he looks at her. He goes, believe it. <laughs> because it, it's literally based on something my husband did not go to the bar what he did was mm-hmm. he, he has a job where he he had a, a special photo he's an artist he had a special photo shoot it wasn't at his place of business it was at a, somebody's studio and there were, it was back before cell phones and um he tried calling me to tell me he was going to be late but I, you know, again, no answering machines. I mean, it was back before then. And um, so I called his place of business and he would tell me about this guy who was cheating on his wife at work and what this guy would, the wife would call like at eight and nine o'clock at night and say, is Rich, is Rick there? And they'd go, uh, 
uh, Rick, uh, he's not here right now. That's a, that's exactly what they would say. And um, and then Rick was because Rick was having an affair with one of the gals at work. OK, mm. he was in the conference room, you know, with her. So I called, you know, that night and called the, his place of business is Keith here. And they go, uh, uh. Keith, uh, he's not here right now. And I think that was before I knew it was at, at another place. Okay. Well, what do you think I thought? Mm, yeah. yeah. So I'm I'm in bed. He comes, rolls in at like 1 o'clock in the morning, and I'm laying in bed, and I'm playing possum. And he gets in bed, and he's just ready. to. And I, I did. I turned on him, attacked him, and he, he jumped out of bed. He goes, what the is wrong with you we we, you know not duped it out but we we, and he explained that everything was fine well the problem was that the same thing happened the next night and i did the same thing i mean i can't be Mm -hmm. right i called again and it's just hearing that uh uh keith no he's not there i I don't know what maybe it was a week later and i pulled the same stunt altogether and he jumps in my he goes he goes he says i'm not putting up with this crap (laughs) Excuse me. That was his expression. <laughs> he grabs his pillow and goes into the other room and he's going to sleep in the other room. So I play possum for a while and I'm just heating up and heating up. And finally, 20 minutes later, when he's asleep, I guess I go in, I turn on the light, slam the door open and I go at him. And he he jumps out of bed and he's half asleep and he he takes a swing at me. And I miss it. That's a scene from 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 that's when uh, Mitch takes a he swings at her in, in, in a charity. It, 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 I don't mm-hmm. know if you read that scene or remember it but that so my point being everything you're reading in there just about (laughs) is pulled from something that happened to me my reaction his reaction so it's all it's all and and especially the spiritual lessons it's what i learned you know Mm -hmm. so how neat so you uh you have a message that's woven into all your books is to live by God's precepts and do yes. things his way, especially when it comes to romantic relationships. And so you always have that strong man or woman of God that will not compromise. Yeah. Um, that's leading generally the other lead character. And what word of encouragement would you give those who are living out their faith and pushing back against today's society when it comes to romantic relationships? Yeah. It's a great question, Melissa. Um, (laughs) And I wrote down, I would say that I have learned firsthand that if you want to be blessed in romance or relationships, doing it God's way is absolutely the only way to go. And I I can attest to that with several stories. Um, God's God's precepts are really put in place not to push you around. They're put in place to protect you. And, um, you know, a lot of people think, oh, God's not going to tell me what to do. That's what I used to think. That's why I used to advocate they would burn Bibles in hotel rooms. I thought that was outrageous. They put Bibles in hotel rooms. I did. And um, I was that kind of person before I came to Christ. And then when I realized that God wasn't a God who was trying to push us around or lord it over us, but instead was a God that loved us so much, he put parameters in place to protect us. And especially... Uh, our sexuality and more that's what morality does it protects mm-hmm. us and I'll give, I mean before I was a Christian you know I was uh, I was a wild child of the 70s I told you that so I was pretty you know promiscuous and you know I'd get involved with guys and they'd dump me flat on my butt you know and I'd get hurt and hurt and each hurt embeds in your in your psyche and your heart and uh, and your soul and uh, when I became a Christian 
I realized that doing things God's way, what it did was it fended off the wrong guys, but it, it, the right guys would stay. And I'll give you an example. This one guy I was dating. Oh my gosh. I, I really liked him. We went out four times. We had so much fun. We laughed and it was, I mean, we really got along. I, I thought this was a long-term relationship for sure. But you know, he, of course he, I told him was, I tell every, every guy I'm a Christian. I don't put out, this is the way it is, you know, mm-hmm. like it or leave it, you know? And, um, he, I told him that too, but he, we liked each other so much. So he just kept it, but he, he would always keep trying and keep trying. And I just wouldn't put out. <laughs> and, uh, finally after four dates, he, you know, he, he stopped calling. And so I, I called him one day and said, you know, I just, I just want to ask you a question. You know, I, I know, I know you're not calling me anymore and I'm not calling to get your back or anything like that. I just kind of really want to know why I said, I thought we had a great time. We laughed, we had fun and you know, I don't know. I just don't understand. And he said, well, Julie, he says, I do really like you. I like you a lot. He goes, the problem is I can find a girl I like a lot and get sex too, is exactly what he said to me. And I went, oh, Okay. Point taken. <laughs> and yeah. honestly, the the number of times a guy would take me out was like uh, four times. So much so that after the fourth day from my husband, I told him I really enjoyed meeting him and knowing him. And, you know, I hope he had a nice life. Because <laughs> I, I did. I did. He goes, what are you talking about? I go, well, and I explained to him, you know, um, but he was the one that stayed. Yeah. You know, I mean, our, our wedding night was the first time for us, you know, yeah. and that's the beauty about God. You know, I no, I wasn't a virgin because mm-hmm. I was a wild child and I, and, and, and God delivered me from that. And when he delivered me from that, I believe he gave me my spiritual virginity back yeah. and I kept it for him no matter how many guys came at me. And, and these are, these are supposedly Christian guys. Okay. You know, I mean, these are not, you know, I'm not just picking, uh, going to a bar and, you know, I mean, no, um, maybe once or twice I did, I guess (laughs) dancing and you'd meet a guy and, and he'd say, you want to go to a movie tomorrow? And so I, I did do that once or twice and Mm -hmm. big mistake, big mistake. Um, anyway, so, um, that that's to tell young women, this is a safeguard for you and Mm -hmm. the right man will stay but the wrong one will leave. I mean, he'll, he'll give it his best effort to get you to, to give in. And mm-hmm. then I have one more story to tell you. Um, my son, uh, when he was in college, I raised my kids this way. You know, I just said, Hey, th- you do it God's way. You get blessings. You do it the world's way. You're, you're are cut off from God's blessings. If you mm-hmm. love someone, you want the best for them. Why would you cut them off from God's blessings? And, um, and of course you have to, you know, date Christians. I mean, they, that was a given anyway. So, um, my, my, my son came home and he goes, mom, I had this situation. My, my roommate, Christian roommate, Christian girlfriend, big in the church, you know, he told me, you know, that they're, they're having sex. And he, and I said, well, what'd you, what'd you say? <laughs> and he said, I told him. I said, I don't understand. Why, why are you doing that? He goes, Matt, he goes, if you, he says, you'll find out when you're in love, you want to express that. It's just a natural thing. And Matt said to him, he said, well, no, I don't think so. Because if you're 
truly in love and you love that person, why would you cut them off from God's blessings by making them go against God's precepts? And, the, and, the, and he stumped the guy. You know, he says, that's not love. That's lust. Mm-hmm. It, it masquerades as love. And but if, if, if a man truly loves you, he will honor your decision to for for purity. You know, and or if you know our spiritual purity, which in my case, because mm-hmm. I wasn't a virgin, you know, um, but I was with my husband, and I honestly believe that that's one of the bedrocks of a good marriage. I I honestly believe that when you do things God's way. Now, there's there's going to be a lot of gals that will come to you and say, you know what, I did things God's way, and this is what happened. It, it didn't work. Well, my, my answer to that is then you didn't do everything God's way because, you know, you can do the morality thing God's way and, and stay a virgin until you're married and then be married. But then in the marriage, you can do things the world's way. In other words, you get mad at them. You try to get back at them. You don't you don't repent for the bitterness that you have towards them. Those are all cancers and they will kill a marriage faster than anything. Mm-hmm. And what I, that's why application of God's precepts is my biggest point in all my books, because it is like gravity. If you throw a ball up, it's going to come down. God's laws, if you apply his precepts, you will be blessed, period. It's what happens. And that's why I'm blessed in my marriage, because I, I believe that process of application of God's precepts. And I applied it everywhere across the board, not just in my marriage. I'm with my kids, with my, my friends and family. And I'm, I mean, that's that's the way yeah. it is. Yeah. And I would agree. (laughs) So looking ahead, because I know that you have another book coming out for the O'Connor family. Do you have an update on Henry's story? I'm Henry. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Um, Henry's story is about mm, over three quarters written. I I hope to have it done next month. Um, And let me just say, I absolutely love it. And I almost never say that when I write a book. When I'm done with a book, a lot of times what I will do, I'll go, well, it's okay. You know, but it's, I don't think it's going to be one of my bigger, bigger ones is what I think every single time. And uh, Henry's story, I'm just, now watch me think it's so good and it'll be like a stinker. I don't know. But (laughs) I love Henry because, well, you know, I love bad boys. Mm -hmm. And you you put into Henry that he's Charity's son. Charity is my Mitch's, favorite character. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah, Mitch's. Yeah, he's my favorite character. Uh, Charity's my favorite heroine because, again, that must that answers your question again. The redemption quality is key to me. It's what makes mm-hmm. you cry. It's what makes you have hope and um, redemption and and Charity. If anybody needed redemption, it was her. <laughs> Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and what's fun is, you know, like Faith, after she was redeemed, even though she was a nice person before, afterwards, she's pretty, pretty saintly. You know, mm-hmm. um, Charity is still Charity. You know, she's got all those traits in her and here she is now a Christian. So how do we go from there? Yeah, <laughs> that, that's why Charity just she makes me laugh. You know what? I never knew that I was funny. I never knew that. And one day I'm reading a scene with Charity and I'm just, I'm just laughing. And it struck me. It's like God said, Julie, look at this. 
you're funny. You wrote her. She's funny, Julie. You know? And I that's the first time I ever knew that I was funny. And anyway, so I love Charity dearly. And um, so she's, so Henry is Charity uh, in the, in the male flesh, you know, and he's, mm-hmm. he's also got Mitch cause he's stubborn, real stubborn. Oh, yeah. um, and, and Charity's controlling, as you know, she's very controlling mm-hmm. and, and Henry butts against that anyway. Oh my gosh. It's so much fun. It's called a dare and a prayer. You know, the first one was a wing and a prayer, then a yeah. hope and a prayer. And of course mm-hmm. that the second one was about Henry's twin hope. <laughs> and so a dare and a prayer, <laughs> um, bless you. <laughs> A dare and a prayer is, um, you know, it basically what it is. Henry is he's dared um, the his buddies dare him to, uh, you know, to see if he can get this this gal to fall for him or kiss him, you know, in the, you know, at this mm-hmm. dance, at this USO dance. And um, nobody can, because this gal wants to be a missionary. She, the last thing she wants is to be involved with guys. She, she's shot down. I have a line in the book. She, she shot down more, uh, more uh, fly boys than the Japs have, you know, I mean, because <laughs> she just, they can't, they can't get anywhere with her. And you want to hear something funny? That's based on my daughter. My daughter went to uh, Truman University and she actually, she's brilliant. She's a lawyer and she went through Truman in uh, three years, graduated cum laude because she's a go-getter. She wants to get on with her life. She doesn't want to spend her Mm -hmm. time with frat parties and stuff like that. Anyway, but (laughs) the last (laughs) semester, she, she worked it out. So the last semester she could do what she wanted like, you know, just go to parties. And she never went to parties, never dated. In fact, she came home one time, she said, crying, and she said, Mom, what's wrong with me? Am I ugly? My daughter is gorgeous, drop dead gorgeous. I, I mean, I, I'm not being prejudiced because I, I, I'm very honest. If she wasn't, I would say it. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't say <laughs> it, but I would say she was. Um, she is beautiful. And I, she, she come crying. She said, Mom, am I ugly? I said, Amy, you know you're not ugly. My gosh, look at the mirror. And she, I said, you're beautiful inside and out. She says, Mom, why don't there not one guy at college in three years asked her out? Not one guy. And she said, Mom, I'm, I'm in, uh, you know, I'm in Cardinal Key. I'm in, I'm in this Christian organization. What, what's wrong with me? And I said, I think, Amy, I think God's just protecting you from the wrong guys. It's so easy to get off track. And I said, I really think, because you look at who your mother is. Hello, I'm over here going, praying God, <laughs> parameters, angels all around her. You know, I mean, <laughs> believe me, I nail it in prayer good since she was a baby. I do this anyway. So, um, the last semester she goes to a fraternity party, her first one, it was a Christian boys fraternity. And she goes and she's sitting there talking to this guy and he goes, he stops the conversation. He goes, you're Amy Lessman. And she goes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Good deduction there. <laughs> and he goes, no, you don't understand. You're Amy Lessman. And she goes, what does that even mean? And here's what it meant. She said when she would go 
she would, she never ate in the cafeteria much. She would go get a salad and leave. And she said, mom, every time I went into the, you know, into the cafeteria, there was this long table of this fraternity and they'd all sit there and eat. She says the minute she'd walk in the door, they, they'd been talking, it would go quiet. The whole table would go quiet and she'd go get her salad. And she felt really like what they that, you know, she, I mean, she'd not been asked out. So she just had to think she was ugly or they, they were, I don't know what she, you know, she said, so mom, I would get my cell and I'd get out of there. They'd never say a word, but they were, they'd watch me. And she says, she says, I didn't understand why until this guy said, you're Amy Lessman, you're the pinnacle Christian girl who nobody would have a chance with nobody because they knew she was so Christian and she was so untouchable that no guy asked her out. That is, that is a true mm. story. Okay. Yeah. And so I took that story and I made Amy, Amy Lee, my daughter's Amy Lee Lessman. This is Amy Lee MacArthur. And she is the pinnacle in this, in the, on this air base, you know, Me. the nurse, she's the pinnacle and uh, no guy can get. And so that's where the deer comes from. I love it. I have to just pause like for your daughter, bless her heart. But my husband told me, I didn't realize this. He said, men are afraid of rejection. And that is why they don't, they struggle to approach a woman they're interested in. That sounds totally like what was happening to her. Yes, yes, exactly. Because they knew, I mean, she lived her Christianity. She lived it. It was right out there for everybody to see. And they weren't going to take a chance with that. Again, God's parameters, God's boundaries protecting her. He protected mm-hmm. her from all the wrong guys. Okay. So anyway, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's what I would tell you. I mean, I, I lived it. I did it. I, I was on both sides of the road when I wasn't a Christian, I got hurt over and over and over again. After I became a Christian, I never got hurt again. Never, never because yeah. it, it insulated me. God's God's laws insulated me. Mm-hmm. So that's so neat. That's so neat. <laughs> it is. It is. Do you have any other writing projects besides Henry's story that you have in the works or is, I, is that it? No, no. I, well, I mean, I do have a nonfiction. It's, oh, it's yeah. um, called, it's a devotional called the plight of windowsill Jesus, a devotional with a novel approach to practical Christianity. And basically um, what that is, is, um, I, I'm going to have a devotional where I have the real story, how I learned a spiritual lesson in my life. Then the next thing is the novel story. I'm going to take the scene where I teach that lesson to my characters, and I'm going to put that there. Then I'm going to have the scripture story, scriptures related to that spiritual lesson, the takeaway of bulletized points in easy-to-read and apply format. And then the last one is a prayer. Uh, what happened was I came up with this idea last year because um, – I was sitting around with my grandkids and my kids down um, go to Florida in the spring. And I was down there sitting, you know, around the fire pit and in Florida because it gets cool at night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and 
uh, I have uh, my my son. He knows I have all these stories. I have this one story called my Herb story. It's Herb therapy, and it's about a, a guy named Herb uh, that <laughs> at my workplace when I first became a Christian, I hated his guts, and he'd walk in the door every day, go smile, Jilly. He didn't like me. He hated me. Okay, mm-hmm. and this Herb story is how God taught me to win him over, uh, because my my the gal that brought me to the Lord, she says you're gonna have to pray for Herb. You're gonna have to put feet to your faith and do nice things for him. And I went, are you kidding me? Uh, no, <laughs> but I did. And you know, Herb liked coffee and I was one of the gals that got coffee for everybody. And he, he always got two. And so I went into his office and, and he threw two dimes, didn't give me the time of day, just threw his two dimes on the And I said, Herb, nobody likes coffee like you. How about three? And he goes, well, I don't mind if I do, little lady, and throw two more dimes on. Get one for yourself. And then before he could open those doors and go, smile, Julie, because I never say anything to him. He always did that to, to mock me. I went, I said, good morning, Herb. How are you? And I told my friend, I said, you don't understand. I hate fakery. I, I feel fake. And he said, you're not fake if you're applying God's precepts. You're being real. It's just you feel fake because it's not there yet. But you apply it. It's going to happen. And you know what? It did. He and I became good friends. And here's the corker to that story. About 10 years later, a friend of mine, he left the company. And 10 years later, a friend of mine said, Julie, I ran into, you'll never guess who I ran into. And I said, who? And she said, Herb. And I said, Herb, oh my gosh, how is he? And she said, he's fine. He's doing really good. She says, but you know what? He mentioned you. And I said, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. And she said, No, it was all good. Here's what he said. When I met that, he was kind of a Texas guy. When I met that little lady, he goes, I couldn't stand her. He said, I couldn't stand her. He said, I don't know what happened, but now I think she's the cutest thing in shoe leather. Okay. (laughs) Application of God's precepts, taking a situation, turning it completely around. Mm -hmm. That's herb therapy. I have a ton of stories like that. So my husband, my husband, my son goes, mom. And of course I, I inundated my children with these stories, of course. Okay. Um, so I, I told, I told uh, my son says, mom, tell my kids your story. Well, we're talking nine, seven and five. And I'm going, <laughs> Matt, they're not interested in this. And he goes, mom, just tell them. So I, I guess I have a way of telling it that's maybe a little humorous. So I'm telling them the story thinking that's it. After I was done, they go, Juju, tell us more stories. Tell us. They're begging us all week. Juju, tell us more stories, please. That that really struck me as odd, but not as odd as the next week when I went to a Bible study my prayer partner gave down there. And um, it was on forgiveness. And, and she goes, Julie, tell them. Why you wrote Isle of Hope, which is my first contemporary novel based Mm -hmm. loosely on my dysfunctional relationship with my estranged father and how God taught me to heal it. Now, this is a father that kicked me out of the house, used to beat me, kicked me out when I was 21, no place to go. I did go to my sister's. And anyway, that's a long story. But um, I, I wrote that book and it's it's the true ultimate book for me on forgiveness. Okay, because it shows you how to do it because it's real. I did it. I did it. Um, Ended up my father. I hated him. Didn't see him for two years. And God said, you're going to have to go. You're going to have to heal that relationship. And I went, 
And then my friend who brought me to the Lord, she says, yeah. And, and it, and I, one of the biggest things is application of God's precepts means you have to bless them. So I know my dad liked beef stew. So I called him up one day after two years and said, dad, I, I'd like to come and bring you beef stew. He probably thought I was going to poison him, you know, but I, <laughs> I brought him the beef stew and I sat with him. He didn't talk. He, he, he was a German, you know, he didn't talk to you. He just sat there and he would talk during commercials and then that was it. And then I, he'd walk me upstairs and I'd go to give him a hug. He would never hug me back. He never told me he loved me. Okay. And I did this for, I don't know, two, three months. And I was telling my friend that brought me to the Lord. I said, this is not working. Hello. I'm praying for him. <laughs> I'm applying God's precepts. It is not working. She goes, it will work. You just keep at it. So I did. And the pinnacle came one night. I don't know, maybe three months in, four months in. He walks me upstairs and I went to hug him goodbye and tell him I love him. And haltingly, I felt his arms go around me and hug me back. And that was the turning point. And he died six months later. But before he died, he told me, I showed him a picture. He didn't even go to my sister's wedding. That's how he was. I showed him a picture because I was in my sister's wedding He go, and the whole family. And he goes, you are the best looking one of the bunch. <laughs> Now, let me just tell you, this is the same dad that told me he caught me one time on my boyfriend's lap and said, don't think you're special. Any whore can get him excited. OK, this is how my dad was. You're not special. Mm -hmm. He demeaned you as a woman. OK, and um, so I I thought I was ugly. Guys told me I was ugly all the time, all the time. Cross mm -hmm. dance floors one time. I'm going across a dance floor and I have this in the book. Henry's story because I had long dark hair and I'm walking I look good from the back some guy grabbed my hand you know to talk to me and turned me around and he saw me threw my hand away and went ah and then another guy told me he said he said damn you're ugly another guy said that to me when when he saw me again from the back or something he bumped into me and he goes oh damn you're ugly something like that OK. And ironically, mm -hmm. and this is a true story, you're never going to believe this, but it's true. That's God giving you vindication <laughs> because about when I was 21, I wasn't a Christian yet. So I don't know why I said, but I felt like it was God because this guy hit on me. The same guy that told me I was ugly hit on me at a party. And I said, well, I might go out with you if you if I can say to you what you said to me the first time we met. He goes, I've never met you before. He goes, what, what I saw, what I say. And I told, I said the same thing back to him and walked away. That was sweet vindication, you know, <laughs> but, um, anyway, um, you know, that's, that's, it's application of God's precepts. And, um, that's, that's what I did. And that's, and, and Henry's story is I take little bits and pieces from my life and I sprinkle it. And that's what happened to her heroin. Mm -hmm. Anyway. So, and I just want to say one more thing. I know I'm talking up a storm. Oh, I'm you're sorry. Fine. Um, the, the biggest thing that's important to me about Henry's story is, and this may sound odd for a romance novel, but it's got a thread of sex trafficking in it. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the, and, and, and this was before, uh, sound of freedom came out. Okay. Mm -hmm. I had all this in place before sound of freedom came out. I kept, and, and it was like God's idea it was not mine. I would never put that in there. <laughs> But I had this scene in Henry's story. Um, uh, he's on, they're on Saipan, the island of Saipan. And when the United States conquered Saipan, uh, they put all the locals, the Japanese, in, in internment camps because they didn't know who was an enemy and who wasn't. 
and and the camps, uh, there was an orphanage in the camp, and, and our heroine wants to be a missionary, so she takes her free time and goes and teaches the kids to read, you know, in, teaches them English and how to do crafts, because in Camp Susupe, they would make crafts to send them over to the United States, I mean, to sell, you know, for money. Um, so uh, I, this is all real. All this happened. So I have in this scene, Henry's, Henry's trying to get her. She won't have anything to do with Henry. So he figures out, well, I can volunteer at Camp Susupe too, you know, and pilots, he was a fighter pilot. Their, their, their regiment was so strict that they actually got two days off a week because they needed it mentally. So he would go, he volunteered his two days and would go and work with her there. Much to her, she didn't want that. <laughs> anyway, so, but one day he's at Camp Sasupe and this little five-year-old girl is, is screaming and crying down the street. She's running and he's watching this man chase her. And, you know, before he knows what happened, she runs right into Henry's legs and holds on to him and is crying and crying. And he picks her up and holds her. And this man comes and says, that's, that's my niece. Give her back to me. Give her back to me. Anyway, that's when... God gave me the idea of sex trafficking. And I remember saying, well, God, you know, the Japanese, they're, they're a noble people. I mean, I didn't think there was anything like that, like pedophilia and that type of thing. But I did the research and it turns out that's one of the biggest aspects of Japanese culture in the past, all the way to the middle ages and beyond pedophilia. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't look, it wasn't called pedophilia, but it was mm-hmm. like the, the monks would have young boys that, that, that served them and stuff. And, you know, I mean, that yeah. was, that was the lifestyle. That was culture. Okay. Mm-hmm. I did not know that. And when God confirmed that to me, cause I was arguing with him, <laughs> said, this is not <laughs> believable. I don't write anything. that's not believable, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, that's when he put the idea in my head and I said, God, that's a little extreme for romance. And he said, but the last book, Hope's book, I touched on alcoholism which was yeah. the first time I really hit something that's other than adultery or the things that you might put in a romance novel. Mm-hmm. I hit upon those things. This, this God told me you do it and just thread it easily through. You'll see it actually ends up becoming a big part of the plot. And, um, I'm, I'm so excited about it. And, and, you know, I felt like God said, I, you know, you need to give, some of the profits. And I, I, I don't know if I'm going to give all, I mean, I don't make that much money. Don't, yeah, <laughs> you know, but whatever it is, I, I want to give it to sex trafficking because it's his idea, not mine. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't, I didn't want to go there. And um, so I'm very excited about it from that aspect. It's so. exciting. We <laughs> donate to the, um, operation underground railroad, which is what the sound of freedom movie is based off one of their yeah. operations. So, um, that's so neat, Julie, that you're able to pull that in. Cause you're right. That's not really a topic you generally uh, no. get inside of a romance. Yeah, so. exactly. And, you know, I guess I kind of jumped off. You had asked me about, I think the last one was what I was working on and it's the, uh, mm-hmm. the, devo- the devotional, I call it a devotional. Um, but what was cool about that? I did not want, I don't like nonfiction. I don't like to read it. I don't like yeah. to write it. <laughs> yeah. Don't take me there. Okay, I can't tell you how many friends have given me books, nonfiction. Oh, Julie, you're going to love this. It's so good. I get a quarter of the way in, I'm done. 
Yeah. I, 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 you know, I'm set my ways. I don't know. Anyway, so I told God when I'm at this Bible study, that's where I was. And I was talking about Isle of Hope, you know, and telling the story. And I'm, of course, I'm crying when I'm telling the story, thinking these women are going to think I'm crazy. Well, I was in the back, like at the, in the kitchen, sitting in the kitchen on a bar stool and they're all in the living room and they all turn around and they, many of them are crying. Mm-hmm. And um, afterwards, two of them come up to me, and, and the one gal goes, "You need to write a memoir." And I go, "Oh pff, no, uh-uh." Mm-hmm. I said, "My life is no big deal. It's not like I've been involved in sex trafficking, or, or you know, I mean, no." <laughs> and and she, they kept pestering me and say, "No, you don't understand. You need to write a memoir." And she says, "And I'll tell you why." She says, "That story you just told." about how you turned around you're with your father she said that has done more to teach me about forgiveness than any bible study any church sermon i have ever heard she says you need to put that in a book and i went i'll tell you what i'll pray about it (laughs) so i go home and the next day i'm doing my devotional and my my bible time and i'm praying and i said okay god i told her i'd pray about it so if this is what you want me to do you're gonna have to do it because i don't want to go there and within a few seconds i got this overwhelming urge i mean overpowering to read a certain scene from one of my books it was the scene with marcy and mrs gerson the the river little rain scene okay Mm. and i thought I, I've got other things to do, God. I want to go. And so I go and I look it up and I'm, I'm, I'm reading it. And before I was done, I was sobbing. I'm sobbing. And my husband comes out and goes, Julie, what's wrong? <laughs> I go, <"That's- laughs> and, and, and anyway, I said, I'm fine. It's just that, you know, so I felt like that was like this, like I had my son telling me, my kid, my grandkids uh, saying, Julie, tell us a story. Then the Bible study gal saying, no, you need to do that. The third thing, me reading it and affecting me greatly. But do you think I believed it? No. I said, God, you're going to have to give me one more sign. I said, because I, I don't want to go there. And um, I actually typed it here. Here's what happened. Within one hour, within one hour, I get an email from a new reader. And this is what she said. Dear Julie. I am new to your books and absolutely love them. I just finished A Hope Undaunted, and it changed my spiritual life. I found the freedom to place my life in God's hands, something I used to be so scared to do. The book also assured me of the power of prayer. I found a calm reassurance when facing uncertainties after reading this book. And I credit God working through your book, showing me that prayer can sustain. Thank you for eternally impacting me. Your influence goes beyond your books and lasts forever. Now, that is the Academy Award that every Christian author wants. Mm-hmm. Oh, to yeah. change somebody's life spiritually is, is why I write Christian romance. <laughs> And I'm yeah. sorry for business or crying. <laughs> okay. That is, that's what it's about right there. Yeah, ladies. that is. And, and so mm-hmm. what could I say after that? Yeah. I mean, it was yeah. like, you're going to write this whether you like it or not. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, and I decided to go the agent route this time instead of publishing it myself. So I've okay. got one rejection and I'm waiting on two others. And if I don't, you know, I told him, I said, if I don't, you know, get representation, I'll just do it myself, you know. But yeah. Yeah. So that's what I'm working on. Oh, well, I have just loved talking to you again, Julie, but I always enjoy talking with you. But um, I just wanted to tag back when you talk about there's there's an there's an industry out there in the Christian market for 
entertainment. I certainly hope that your books turn into movies one day because I, I think too. they are perfect. Don't you think? I do too. They're yes. perfect. And I really think what gives me hope that the we could get more movies in that Christian market is like recent, you know, sound of freedom coming out doing so well. Yes. Yes. And then before that you had nefarious, uh, come out. Yes. Yes. And I did, did that so yeah, well. But... I didn't see that one because it's too, it looks too intense for me, it's but too close uh, to, um, yeah. Uh, Satanism and, yeah. I, I came out of that lifestyle. I don't want to, I don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, the author, my husband listens to the author um, podcast all the time. And he's like, that was his point because he wanted to bridge that gap between yep. the world and, and God. So, yes. Um, yes. So it just gives me hope that maybe one day <laughs> we can see your movies. <laughs> That's funny because I, I had one, uh, some readers, they actually made their own little movie. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, it was on YouTube. It was so cute. I, I, I thought it was adorable. But yeah. um, anyway, thank you. And this, I always enjoy talking to you too. I, I'm sorry I get weepy on you. <laughs> oh, you're fine. <laughs> everyone. If you enjoy our content, please consider following us on Rumble, Instagram, and your favorite podcast platform. Thank you for your support. And until next time, happy and blessed reading.